Um, if you've been with us for a little while, we've been in a series called Everyday Discipleship. And so kind of the premise behind this series is um, how does following Jesus begin to impact our everyday moments in life? So the question that we've used to frame this is, uh, what do we do on Monday? So we come to church on Sunday, but what does Monday begin to look like? And in order to answer this question, we've been looking at the different relationships Jesus lived out. So we spent a month or two focusing on our relationship with the Father, our relationship with God. And then this past month, the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at our relationship with community. And then over the next month, we'll begin to look at our relationship in the world. And so... Today is the last week of our relationship and community. And so in order to do that, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 2.10. And if you're using one of our Bibles, I don't know what that is. Someone yell out what page that's on when they get it. 568. Thanks, Joshua. So 568, Ephesians 2.10. So in order to kind of talk about Ephesians 2.10, I want to give us a concept that's going to kind of frame our time together. Uh, the concept, by, by kind of show of hands, interact with me a little bit. Um, how many of you ever heard the concept, form follows function? Wow, way more than I thought. I honestly didn't know. Um, it, to be truly transparent with you, I learned about this concept about two years ago by a song by Lupe Fiasco, the rapper. So today's message is brought to you by Lupe Fiasco. Um, but I, I, I heard it two years ago and I was like, this is fascinating. And I, I began to kind of research and look into it. And I love the idea. So for those of you who don't know what form falls function means, it's an architectural term. Um, the kind of premise behind it is that something's function is determined, determines something's form. So something's function, its purpose, whatever it does is determined by its identity, its form. And so in architecture, that's pretty simple and straightforward. It's like, okay, we go to a building. We're going to build a building in Nashville. Those are everywhere. And we're going to look at it. And we go, okay, what's the function of this building? Um, it's going to be an office building. So we make it really simple and plain, and we have some cubicles, and that's the form it takes. Or maybe the function of the building is supposed to be an apartment for all those people that are moving here all the time. And so it's the really tall skyscraper you're seeing being built. So the function was apartment. The form is tall skyscraper. Or maybe we'll take it one step further. The function is supposed to be trendy hipster coffee shop. And so the form is an old hollow out silo with a lot of really rustic things. And that's, that's what we're going to get. So the kind of premise here is that something's function determines its form. Now, when you kind of zoom out a little bit outside the world of architecture, uh, people kind of debate whether or not function has to follow form. But the, overall, everyone agrees that form and function are intertwined, they're connected. That something's form is connected with something's function and something's function is connected with something's form. So we can see this in nature. So uh, finding dories coming out this summer, it's about fish, so let's look at fish. Um, a fish, the function of the fish is to live under the sea and the function of dory is to live under the sea and be funny. So the form of that fish, of dory, would be she has gills, and she has fins, and she has Ellen DeGeneres' humor. So that's function and form. They go together. Or we can think about relationships. And so uh, maybe the function of relationship, having a guy and a girl, and they're in a relationship, and the function of that relationship is supposed to be romantic. And so the form, maybe they're dating, or they're engaged, or they're married. Function is connected with form. Or maybe um, in the guy's head, the function is romance, and the girl's, it's friendship, and the form is the friend zone. They, so we're connected here. Function is connected to form. Or the same can be applied to our faith. So maybe the function of your faith is to get to heaven. 
And so the form becomes a checklist of things you need to do in order to get to heaven. Make sure you do your good deeds for the week and be really kind. Or maybe the function of your faith is spirituality. You're like that concept. So the form is spiritual practices, meditation, maybe a little yoga. Um, or maybe, maybe the function of your faith is uh, intimacy with Jesus, a relationship with Jesus. And so the form is very relational. It's sitting at the table each and every week. And in all these cases, form and function are connected. They're together. They're tied together. And I think when we begin to look at Ephesians 2.10, we see this idea play out. And so I think we're going to begin to see the form of the church, of community, and we're going to see the function of the church and community. And so I'm going to read the text, and we're going to dive in. So it says, I'm reading out of the ESV. I think all the blue Bibles are all ESV. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So let's, let's start with the form. And as we dive into this, one of the caveats, growing up, um, I'm, I'm from the South, I'm from East Tennessee, Bible Belt, and growing up, this verse is used a lot. Um, this was one of my favorite verses, but when it was taught to me growing up, the way that it was framed is, you are God's masterpiece. And that's what I was told over and over again, you are God's masterpiece. And I remember being in high school and doing a skit by the skit guys with my best friend called God's Chisel, where God... Peter, who's my best friend, was playing God, and I was me, and he was chiseling me into God's masterpiece, and we did it in front of people. And for some of us, we need to hear that today. And that is so true. You are God's masterpiece. In Psalms 139, it's going to say, 139, 13, it says that God knitted us together in our mother's womb. It's this idea of God weaving us together like a tapestry. And pulling it together. And some of us in the room, you need to hear it. You need to hear the creator of the universe loves you. He knows you. He created you. You are his masterpiece. Hear that. And if that is what you need to hear and that's it, check out now, hear that, write it down and spend time in that because you are God's masterpiece. But when I look at this text and when I've studied this text this week, I think there's so much more there than just you are God's masterpiece. Here's why. So read it again. It says, for we are his workmanship. And so the first thing that caught my attention this week is it says we. It's a communal word. It's about the church. It's a collective word. And, and the reason we know that the writer here is talking about the church is up until this point in Ephesians, if you read the whole book, which I recommend you do, up until this point, the writer's been saying, you, he's saying, your faith, you have been saved, you have been redeemed, you have been lifted up and seated up in the heavenly realms, you. And at 2.10, it's this shift. It goes from me to we. It says, we are God's workmanship. And then the rest of the book is going to begin to talk about church. And so the rest of chapter 2 and 3 will go into what the church looks like and how it's a living building put together. And then chapter 4, the writer is going to implore that the church needs to be unified, that it needs to be together. And so there's a clear shift in this moment that is going from a me-centered faith to a we-centered faith. And so it's a community word, we. And then it goes into, it says, we are God's workmanship. And so the word for workmanship is the word that we get for poem. It's a Greek word for poem. Now, I want to be careful. I want to take our nuanced understanding of poetry and then put it on a word, their word. 
So what we need to understand for this word is that it means being put together or built together, much like you would write a poem with couplets and rhyme schemes. It's put together. Or another way to think about it is building something. And so I thought about this um, back around Christmas time, for Christmas. I decided that I was going to build a desk for my girlfriend. She was graduating, is going to work from home, going to do a lot of different things. I was like, the nicest thing I do is build a desk. Now, what you need to know about this is I am tools illiterate. Um, my father is amazing with tools. He was a handyman growing up. He could fix everything. He's a manager at Lowe's. But that is not a particular skill set he chose to pass on to me. Um, and so what I'm really good at is Google and asking questions. I'm really good at that. And so in my head, I was like, I'm going to build this. And so I immediately started at the place you should always start, Pinterest. And uh, DIY, do it yourself. I was going through it, looked up all these articles. Um, I started asking one of our campus pastors named Andrew Smith, and I asked him for his help. He loves tools. And so I was determined, I'm going to build a desk. And so uh, I got this 1950s oak desk. We stripped it down. Uh, We gave it a new coat of paint. It was white. We put put in new handles. We rebuilt a new top for it and put um, several planks together and then had this beautiful dark stain. And it took about two weeks to do. And I remember finishing it and just feeling manly. Like I just, I thought my beard had grown three inches. And I, I like LeBron James, I beat my chest. I was so excited because I was proud of this. It was my workmanship. And I'll be honest, I know that it is not perfect. It, it's not, it's not perfect in any way. I could tell you, if we went to see it right now, I could point out all the little faults on it. Like where's the little divot? Where's that? It's a little wobbly here. But man, I am proud of that desk. It's my workmanship. Build it with my hands. And and this is what the text is describing. Saying we are God's workmanship. means God literally put us together. He built us together. I love this. And it says it was done in Christ Jesus. It's saying that we, as the church, are God's workmanship. He sent his son into the earth. He put the right pieces in the right places. He nailed it together by having Jesus nailed on the cross. He made it white through the resurrection. And the Great Commission was the beautiful finish that sent the church into the world. And we are God's workmanship. And he is proud of us. And I don't know what your views on church are. There have been some amazing people who have represented church very well to the world. And there have been some interesting people who have not represent the church well to the world. And I'm sure that if I asked every single one of you, what's your opinion on church? Every person would have a different opinion on church. But the reality is when you look at the core of what church is, church is simply a group of people gathered together in Jesus. It could be a small group, it could be a big group. It's people gathered in Jesus. And that takes many, many forms. That could be a group of people that meet at a bar on Monday nights. That could be here at the Ruby in this nice wedding venue. That could be high church in Rome. It can be anything. Church at its core is a group of people gathering in Jesus. And those people are imperfect. I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect, and I'm part of the church. And so we have a lot of imperfect people getting together. But the truth is that this is still God's workmanship. He still cares about this deeply. He is proud of this. It will say in Zephaniah, it says that when he looks at his community, he smiles, that he is excited about it, and he knows all the faults. He knows the flaws. He knows it's imperfect, yet this is his workmanship. 
He's excited about this. So this is the form we get. This is the church. It says that we, right here, are God's workmanship. And so, as I said early, earlier, function and form go together. So we can't have, hey, we are God's workmanship without something coming with that, without the function. And so I'll reread the verse. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so uh, the function of the church, I think it's very clear. It says, for good works, for good works. And so when you look at those, those two words together, good means it's something that has intrinsic or inherent value. So something that just naturally has value. It's a, it's a word often used to describe God, that God's character is good. He has intrinsic value and worth. So that's good. Works, it's a very similar word to the word workmanship. It's the idea of building, doing something, right? So what the text is literally saying is the workmanship has now become the producer of works. It's as if the Mona Lisa was painted and then commissioned to make more Mona Lisas. It's the idea of workmanship makes work. So combined, we get this idea of something that has intrinsic and inherent value that is being done. So good works. And I think Honestly, we recognize these all the time. I don't think I need to explain what a good work is, but we see these in these moments when uh, the poor are getting served or when the marginalized are being stood with or cared for, when kindness is demonstrated, when, even when it's not deserved, or moments where love is radically shown. We know what good works. Some of us even aspire to do these on a regular basis. Some of us make a career out of good works. These are part of the good works of the things that Jesus often did. It's the reason most people like the things Jesus did, not always like the things he said. But man, he did good works. Good works. And it says that the function of the church is to do good works. I thought about this. I saw a really cool example of this. My, my best friend, as I mentioned, we did God's chisel skip back in the day, but now he goes to Clemson. He just graduated. And uh, what you need to know, kind of backstory to the story, is uh, FCA at Clemson, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, is huge. Like 500 and 600 people meet every week for FCA. And the other thing you need to know is in the last couple weeks at Clemson, there has been a Black Lives Matter protest. And the kind of the premise, there's been a sit-in on campus um, because uh, the because people feel like their voices are not getting heard. And so they have these two moments, and um, FCA meets at the top of the hill, and the protest was happening at the bottom of the hill. And so Peter looks at this moment, he's at FCA, and he sees it, and he goes, I think this, Jesus would do something about this. And so at the end of it, he invites all of FCA to stand up, to walk down the hill, and spend an hour listening to people who feel like their voices are not getting heard. And they weren't necessarily going to go stand and sit and protest, but the idea was that they were going to sit and ask questions and listen and hear and, and be with people in the moment. And, and I can't imagine being there at the bottom of the hill because all of a sudden 600 people just stand up and start walking down the hill. But the reality is that this is a good work. Being someone who listens to the voice of people who don't feel like their voice is being heard, doing the good works of Jesus, and this is what the church was made for. Our function is to do good works. And I love this because the text is going to say that it is in do good works which God prepared in advance for us. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of really smart people who could explain the deep theological truth of that statement. What I'm blown away by that is the fact that it literally it means the creator of the universe has prepared good things for us. Like it's God, if God's the father and we are his children, we're playing t-ball, the good work is the ball, and he sets it on the tee and says swing. 
He has prepared it in advance for us. I, I recognize this reality when, reality when we moved in here at the Ruby. We, we began to ask as a team, how can we get more plugged in? How can we serve? How can we get connected? And we, we were connected with Aiken Elementary. And some of you guys have heard about Aiken. Um, it was so clear to us that Aiken was the place the good works needed to happen. Like God had prepared it for us. And it, it, here's why it's clear. One, um, the principal, Dr. Drinkwine, the famous Dr. Drinkwine, um, he, had, he had just come on board and he had reached out because Aiken has a lot of needs that need to be met. And he reached out and, to a lot of churches and didn't get a huge response. And he was kind of down on his luck a little bit about the church response when we, when we moved in and we began to connect with him. So that was one way it was clear. The second one is... Um, there was already a relational piece. Larkin's family knew Dr. Drinkwine. I think, Larkin, you can correct me, your dad married Dr. Drinkwine and his wife. So there was a relational piece there. We knew the principal. And then on top of that, uh, about 40 to 50% of the kids are bused into Aiken from Edgehill, where our church family already has a huge um, presence. We're there every week playing with the kids. And so it was just very clear, like, this is the place that we need to go serve. The flat, God said, here's the ball on the tee, swing. And we said, okay, we can do this. This is easy. We got this. And so, but this is the reality. This is what the text is saying. He's saying, God, our function as the church is to do good works and God has set them in advance for us. Do you realize that God this week, today, has prepared good works for you to do? Today, tomorrow, Wednesday. He has put them in your path. He has set them on the tee. Maybe it's, maybe it's your roommate's. Maybe it's serving them and loving them away, cleaning dishes when you really don't want to clean those dishes. Or uh, maybe it's your family. You haven't called them in a while and they just want to be heard. Or maybe it's the man experiencing homelessness on the street and you get to encounter him. Or it's the contributor that's standing at the corner. God has created good works and he has set them in our path. And the form of the church is a church is gathered around where workmanship created for the function of the church to do the good works that God has prepared in advance that he has called every single one of us to. And, and I love where the text ends. And so some of your translations are a little different, but at the core of it, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the word walk there is a word that implies lifestyle. It's, it's saying that it's a lifestyle. And what I love about it, I can give you lots of examples about lifestyles. I don't think you need that. What I love about this word is that walking implies movement. That you don't walk in place. I, I love to go on walks. It's one of my favorite things in the world. I, some of my favorite conversations have been long walks across campus or on the beach or with my mom along the river where we grew up and love walking. Now, if today I looked at Joshua and I said, hey, Joshua, let's go for a walk together. And we stood up and we just began to walk in place. You guys would think we're idiots. You would just be like, that's the dumbest thing. There's no movement here. You're not really walking. But so often what I think is that this is how we do church. We hear the call to walk and yet we stay in our seats, facing forward and never moving. We hear it, we cognitively recognize that God has created the church and it is his workmanship and he is proud of it. And we recognize that God has created us for good works and we cognitively agree, but our lifestyles do not match what we agree with. And I know I'm guilty of this. I, I wrote that line, I know I'm guilty of this, this week. 
because I'm like, of course I'm guilty of this. I'm, I'm imperfect. And then it hit me on Friday night very clearly that I'm really guilty of this. I, I was sitting uh, with two of my roommates late at night, and I don't know where, why this came out, but I was sitting there, and I've been in the minor prophets all semester with class. I'm getting my master's, and the major theme in the minor prophets is justice. Do justice, do justice, do justice. And you can't read the minor prophets while hearing the, the phrase, do justice. And I look at that and I go, yes, we're called to do justice. And then I look at my life and I go, I'm not doing justice anywhere. I'm not serving. I'm not standing. I'm like, I don't even know where to start. I'm really good at reading articles about the social justice gospel, but I definitely don't live out justice in any way, shape, or form. And in my head, cognitively, I agree with the concept, but I do not live the lifestyle that matches that. And I think so often this is where we are at a church. We have heard the phrase from Jesus, they say follow. Over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus says follow. He says move. He says go from this point to this point. We hear that and we settle for believing and sitting. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a church. And I don't want to be a group of people who's created in a form with a function who just sits. That does not sound fun to me. And it doesn't sound like I'm living in to this moment where God has created me and he's proud of this. And so that kind of leads us, go, we go, how do we do it? Like, what are the good works? We said God prepared them in advance. And I think the one of the ways we begin to live into this, we begin to walk. Is, well, I got two ways and then we'll kind of talk about communion. So uh, the first one is some of us need to begin to live into the form that God has created. Uh, like I said earlier, I, I, I don't know what your view on church is. Um, like I said, there's a lot of opinions. But what I do know is that the church is what God has created and is what he's proud of. And community is what God has created and what he is proud of. And if you are not involved in a local church or a local community, I want to encourage you and almost beg, please get involved. It doesn't matter where it is. It could be a house church on Monday nights at a bar. It could be here. We're doing some really cool community-based things this summer. We'd love to have you involved. It could be a church wherever you live or where you're going. I don't care, but I want to encourage you to get involved in the church because the church is what God created and it's what God is proud of. And it's super practical because faith was never designed to be a me thing. It was designed to be a we thing. I got to experience this this past year. I graduated from Vanderbilt about a year ago. And uh, some of you guys are experiencing that right now. You're graduating, just graduated Belmont, Lipscomb, Vandy. Um, don't know if you knew this, but the transition from college to adult life um, called adulting is not necessarily the most fun thing ever. Um, it can be amazing, but it could also be really challenging. And about the time that we graduated, I, I moved in with some people. And we, the reason I keep referencing a house church on Monday nights at a bar is because on Monday nights, a group of my closest friends, a bunch of couples, we go to Flying Saucer and we have house church. And they have been my rock. Life has been challenging. And community in the church that I've been involved in every Monday, they have supported me. They have loved me. They have laughed with me that we have done life together in an amazing way. And that is the beauty of community. So if you are not plugged in, if you are not connected, I just want to take a moment and encourage you. Live into the form that God has created. He is proud of it. And it's his workmanship. I invite you in. Some of us, we're already living into that form. And that's amazing. And you probably know all the benefits that's been there. 
Um, but I, I think there's more. So for some of us, it's about learning to live into the function of, of the church. And so um, God has prepared good works for us to do. Uh, I've just been sitting and wrestling with this question for about a month. I love my community. I love the church, uh, the house church I'm in. But I go, we, there's more for us there. God has prepared good works for us in a way. There, there's a deeper level of intimacy, a deeper level of serving the world. What does that look like? So I want to ask you that question for you and your community, you and your church, for us here as a body, what has God put in our path for us to do? What are the good works that he set on the tee for us to do? And how can we begin to walk in those? I think I got to experience this just a little, it's a small picture, but this past Monday we were, we were at Flying Saucer and one of the girls who normally comes, uh, she got sick and she was not feeling well. And uh, we were just laughing. She wasn't there. And, and, and I realized that we weren't laughing at her, I swear. We were just laughing in general. Um, and ah, sick person. Um, but, we're, we're, but I realized this is a moment that we could do something more. And he's like, okay. And so we as a group uh, just began to send her these encouraging texts. Like, oh, there's like eight, or eight of us. And we just started overwhelming her phone with like, we love you. We're so sorry that you're not feeling well. Can we get you anything? You're amazing. You're missed. You're awesome. You're incredible. And just overwhelming her with love. And I know that's really small, but it was something God put in our lap. He said, here, here's a good work. Do it. And it's something our community could begin to live into the function that we were created for. So I want to ask you, if you're, if, you're, if you're in community, what are ways that you can begin to live into the good works that God has prepared in advance for you? So the form, we have function. Um, we're going to kind of transition into communion. One of the things I love about communion is that it's very similar to the word community. I don't know if you picked up on that one. Um, and one of the things I love about tables is that it's the opportunity to do communion and community. And so the next period, you're, you're, you're going to... We're going to have some time for you to talk. So there's kind of two ways you can handle this. If you don't know the people at your table, uh, I really want to encourage us to live into the form. Get to know the people you're sitting with. Ask them about life. Ask them about what their summer plans are. Ask them about who they are, where they normally spend time. Get to know them. Get to know the church that you're doing church with. Spend some time in the form. And if you do know, because some of you guys, I see it, and I know you guys, you're sitting with people that you love and you care with and you do life with, then start to dream together on how you can live into the function that God's created for you. Start to... Hey, we could do this good work. We could be doing this. We could be doing this. If someone is hurting in your group, and they, feel free to share that and pray over them and, and care for them. This is an opportunity for the church to be the church. And you guys are the church, so I'm going to invite you to be the church during this time. And it's going to be absolutely incredible. Really tap into this and invest in this. We, I love this. This has gotten me so excited. We are God's workmanship. He created us in Christ Jesus. He built us. He is proud of that. And we are created for good works, and not just good works, but good works that he has set on the tee for us to swing at. And I don't know about you, man, I really want to learn to live into that, to live into this form, and to live into this function, and begin to enjoy walking with you guys towards Jesus. So I'm going to pray, and then the, the floor is yours, and let the church be the church. Um, God, I love you so much. Um, one of my favorite things is just that Scripture is living, and it changes sometimes. And I love the fact that the message that we are your masterpiece is also very, very true. Um, but you also, we are your workmanship. 
Lord, I pray that you will invite people in this room to tap into the form and tap into you. Lord, I pray that you will make it very clear the ways that we can live into the function. Um, And Lord, will you please let your will be done. We just want to be more like you. We want to be with you. We want to know you in a deep way. And your community and your church is a very clear way of that, Lord. Uh, We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.